Hello, this is Jim Clarkin. Welcome to my podcast, The Humble Potato Dessert. For me, the dinner table has always been as much about boisterous conversation as it has been about food. Reeled in from the four corners of the house as teenagers, my siblings and I were expected to be excited by ideas and to contribute to dinner table discussions. These could be on the issues of the day, the need to understand history and why it is important, novelists and their contribution to literature, crime novels with their twists and turns, the lives of poets when compared to their poetry. There was also much animated discussion of drama and dramatists, one of my father's favourite topics. The only thing we did not discuss at the table was food itself. But somewhere on my journey through life, food became important to me. If certain anecdotes are to be believed, this happened early. It seems that by four I objected to the taste of gravy made from the same water which had boiled the carrots. There were cookbooks everywhere about our living room. These migrated from one table to another as my mother looked things up, wrote down recipes for friends, or simply savoured the idea of eating some extravagant dish or other. All these books were filled with slips of newspaper cutouts. These contained new recipes, the latest in culinary ideas and trendy party foods. It came as no surprise, therefore, when my sister told me that she was putting together a cookbook to celebrate a friend's birthday. She was collecting personal memories from family members and acquaintances and hoped to interleave them with recipes for her friend. This was to be a very personal cookbook, and she wanted me to contribute. After a little brainstorming, all my ideas were dismissed, so I decided to dedicate this blog about the humble potato to Fiona, who I hope enjoys reading it as much as I enjoyed writing it. It may seem like a knocked out an Irish cliché to talk about the potato, to even mention something so mundane to a reader of Sunday supplements could almost be classified as a criminal offence these days. To write a complete article about our starchy friend for an accomplished cook might even be classified by some as a capital offence. But it is not a crime to talk food to a cook. We love to share more than a meal and a bottle of wine. Just as physicists get excited by muons, we salvate at the thoughts of everything gastronomique, from layered flavours to raw ingredients. You may think that the potato offers nothing to talk about, and that once I've discussed Boxty or Champ or Colcannon, I have exhausted all the spot has to offer. However, that is to underestimate this versatile tuber. And as for the potato being only an Irish staple, think again. Ever since Christopher Columbus returned from India with this new vegetable, Europeans have slavishly worked on branding the potato with their unique national mark. The Russian banana sounds interesting until you realize that it is not a tropical fruit but a nodly shaped spud. 
the King Edward is not only a cigar, but also a potato, determined to identify with its country of origin. The Duke of York is another piece of chauvinism, as is the French fingerling. And when it comes to the Irish potato, we had a gem of a spud in the 18th century, which the patriots of the time let down when it came to naming. Instead of the St. Patrick, or perhaps the Finn McCool, after our legendary hero, the potato became known as the Irish Lumpy. It seems that the marketing men of the time had never heard the adage, when marketing a sausage, you sell the sizzle, not the porky bits. This versatile tuber comes in many forms, waxy or starchy, boiled or baked, roasted or mashed. For every need there is a spud. Whether your tastes run to Duchess potatoes, or you simply like your potatoes boiled and steamed, a knob of butter melting down its sides with a parsley garnish to top it off, I bet that your thoughts never stray from the savoury to the sweet. I'm not talking about the sweet potato, technically a yam. I mean using the potato as the main ingredient in a dessert. I have seen chefs pour rhubarb into a potato well, but they were not intentionally creating a dessert. They were using the rhubarb as an extra taste in a savoury dish, in the way an apple sauce is used with pork. I'm talking about replacing the pavlova with a potato. It sounds improbable, but that is what one Victorian Irish housewife apparently did. Sadly, the recipe for this dessert still exists, as it was recorded in the kitchen cookbook and passed down the generations. It shows the importance of not recording our mistakes. Check out some YouTube cooking videos if you doubt me on this. Anybody following some of these would-be TV chefs are doomed to a bad case of indigestion at the very least. The inventor of this dessert lived in a time when ice cream was a seasonal treat and when strawberries had a two-week window in June. But it was also a time of scientific investigation. A revolution was underway, which could be why this innovative woman strayed from the tried and tested bread and butter pudding, dismissed the spotted dick, and had an aversion to milk puddings. We will never know what drove her down the road to potential infamy. Maybe she had enough French to have heard the phrase pomme de terre, and, being inquisitive, she wondered how stewed apple would compare with the apple of the earth. Whatever drove her, she would soon have realised the mammoth task ahead of her, and she did not have the industrial might which could eventually lead to a successful conclusion. It takes huge resources, after all, to milk a nut. What she may have asked herself, if a omelette can be both sweet or savoury, why then not a potato? She evidently did not wait for an answer to reveal itself, because the answers are both obvious and plentiful when it comes to the potato. The first objection would have been that of texture, which for a spud is undisguisable. 
No amount of sugar and lemon can hide the origin of such a dessert. No matter how heroic the effort in the kitchen, the presentation of such a dessert presents problems. Should it be served hot or cold, for instance, hot, lemony, mashed potatoes does not sound good. Cold sounds even worse. Also, imagine it in a bowl before you. What do you see? You see potato. Thankfully, nobody ever picked up on the idea of spuddy dessert. The recipe remained hidden in a family archive for 150 years, and the inventive housewife was never ridiculed for her starchy experiments. Today, Ireland's most famous mashed potato dish is still called Cannon. We may argue over the name when it comes to kale or scallions being used, but we do not argue about its taste. It is crunchy and savoury, all the things you expect from a potato dish. It is not a dessert, not a gold mine. Some parents hid pennies in Colcannon when I was a kid. Not that I ever needed bribing to rip into a plate of lemon-free, unsweetened spuds. However, it would take considerable bribe before I pondered a dessert trolley at the end of a substantial meal and reached out for a lemony potato pudding. <laughs>